Hello. 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 I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. There's some big things going on out here in the rim. So I wanted to get right to them. And the biggest thing is some news because something that got me fired up. It really got me upset. Keanu Reeves has revealed his dream Marvel role and it is none other than Ghost Rider. The star revealed why he wanted to play Ghost Rider. Keanu said that he might have lost his nerd card as he got older. But when he was younger, he was pretty nerdy with comics. He said 10-year-old him would probably want to be Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider made his comic book debut in Marvel back in 1972. After making a deal with the stuntman Johnny Blaze, he became bound to the spirit of vengeance and was granted supernatural powers and a chain made of hellfire. Ghost Rider is renowned for his shocking appearance, a motorcycle riding dude with a flaming skull for a head. Of course, Ghost Rider has appeared on the big screen before, played by Nicolas Cage in 2007. IGNS Ghost Rider Review gave it a 4 out of 10 and said, As a comic book adaption, Ghost Rider is largely faithful to its lore, but it made one fatal alteration. In the comic, Johnny willingly sells his soul to the devil. In the movie, he essentially gets duped, seriously. Even the devil knows that the paper cut doesn't count, turning Johnny into a victim of circumstance, then has to redeem himself, robbing the character and the film of the depth and integrity. That decision was almost bad as the black-hearted dialogue, almost. But overall, this really makes me mad because I want to see him in the Star Wars universe. And this is something that has been talked about forever. He is the one that needs to play Revan. There's no other actor that has the look. This is all my opinion, of course, but fans have been hollering for this for years now. There was rumors floating around before the sequels even came out that Keanu was going to be in a movie about the Old Republic, and every Star Wars fan was raving about it online. And it was such a big deal that I even seen a Reddit post the other day about it. But now he is talking about joining the MCU. And this is burning up the internet. It has popped up on every new site that there is. I've got 15 notifications about it just in the last 24 hours. So you know Disney has seen them, and they are going to try to cast him for this instead of casting him for Star Wars. That's what got me so upset. I really wanted to see him as Revan. What do y'all think? Shoot me an email with your thoughts and let me know what you think. Okay, now let me digress. Calm down, Kyle. Take a deep breath. <sighs> okay, got a few more things, but this is really not news, more of an update. I know I've talked about the Sway website, and it is in the final stages of development. It should be going live by the 31st of this month, if not sooner. You will be able to get all the Swaycast Network shows on one site, plus a whole lot more. It will be a one-stop shop for all your Star Wars needs. Plus, there's going to be a new Star Wars podcast coming out at the first of the year. Now, I can't say too much about it just yet. It is still in development, but I am very excited about it. And I think it is one of the best shows that I have worked on yet. Okay, I think that we should get back to Brotherhood now. Because when we left off last week, Anakin had just spilled his darkest secrets. He told Palpatine what he had done to the Sand People. And Palpatine told him that it was okay to seek revenge. Then old Palp started bad-mouthing the Jedi. So let's see what is happening now. Obi-Wan Kenobi. The rest of the day played out with a frustrating level of bureaucracy during the up-close investigation on the planet's surface. Obi-Wan putting his tools to good use. 
all while the mysterious Assange Ventress stayed close by, shadowing him in her hood and cloak. She offered little input during that entire time, stoically observing. He considered asking her opinion on debris trajectory from the explosion or the decay of lingering chemical compounds, but it didn't seem necessary. She clearly came with an agenda, even if that agenda only involved trying to intimidate Obi-Wan into a mistake of some sort. He took his recordings and scans, made his analysis, and brought them back to his quarters, acting as if nothing bothered him. After that came a diplomatic reception, as if the context of a societal-shattering disaster never took place. Obi-Wan sat and enjoyed a well-prepared meal, local cuisine courtesy of Zara's finest professional chefs. Yet despite the mix of exquisitely cooked dishes and fancy table linens, the conversations continued around matters of the bombing. A desperate plea for answers wrapped up in the guise of a dinner party. All the while, Ventress kept a measured distance from Obi-Wan, always seated three or four chairs away. But when she spoke with others, her eyes seemingly never wavered from tracking him. And even as he retired to his quarters for the evening, he stretched out with the Force, scanning for the presence of someone following him the entire time. It didn't happen, and he let himself indulge in a meditative rest for an hour, a mental and physical restoration to better fuel his inner discipline for the task ahead. Scanners hung in pouches on his belt, and he draped himself in his long cloak, to better blend in with the dark, foggy evening. Then he stepped out the window, a simple escape guided by the Force. Shortly after, he acquired a small craft through persuasion slightly aided by Force trickery. That level of rule-bending didn't sit well with him, but his resources were limited, particularly since Ventress had confiscated his credit chips and it was imperative that zero electronic records tie the Republic back into this. Without physical currency, he instead worked with the realm of simpler minds. The personal vehicle lacked the comforts of an Amoidian shuttle, but it got the job of flying him down to the disaster zone done. Not that the data he'd collected earlier was bad, but given Ventress's constant presence, a deeper look at the situation was necessary to verify his findings and collect new data. In the dark, the thick fog wove in between the fallen urban sprawl to create a near-black atmosphere, only interrupted by some still smoldering fires and the occasional clusters of orange glow from bioluminescent oil oozing from Cato Neimordia's native surface trees. Obi-Wan let the Force guide him, his instincts pulling him toward blast points and debris, taking samples to refine calculations that would hopefully provide deeper insight into what really happened. Whether a stunt or coincidence, Ventress's move with the Scope earlier today focused suspicion on the Republic, and it was up to him to dispel any assumptions.
We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. He examined the area for well over an hour on his own. The constant data from scanners creating a continuous refinement of the Republic simulation on his datapad. He'd unfolded his chemical scanner, the Frick alloy case detached and hidden in his quarters, then began identifying the gaseous compound from still noxious fumes when something interrupted his concentration. Or... Someone. Movement. Quick, nearly silent, but enough for it to close a detectable blip in the force. Obi-Wan curled the scanner shut, then slipped it into his belt pouch, though he remained crouched, staying still to avoid creating any sound. While his ears picked up only the wind and the howl of local wildlife, he needed more. And he took the calculated risk of turning with controlled movements keeping his weight steady to not kick out any flecks of gravel at his feet. He pulled out Jedi macro binoculars, a smaller scope than what Ventress used earlier. Enough to easily carry around, but without the computational capabilities found in her equipment. The internal screens came to life, gears whirring as he zoomed and panned to find the source. Then he saw it. Or rather, her... A Nemoidian female. The tall frame and long fingers gave it away, along with a general sense of identity detected through the Force. But not a typical member of the Trade Federation. Not the usual stately, regal robes and headdresses. And not the standard helmet and shoulder armor of the guards, or the bulky armor of Nemoidian heavy troops. This silhouette appeared somewhere in between. Light enough for movement, but plated enough to withstand heavy fire. It was a commando's outfit, built for a balance among movement, stealth, and protection. She held a small device in her hands, possibly very similar to Obi-Wan's scanners and tools, though she worked with a soldier-like methodical cadence, completely different from the strange sense of competition he got from Asajj Ventress. She moved the device up and down, focused on a single point, before leaping up onto a ledge, landing with a balance that held steady, even with the ledge crumbling away. This repeated several more times, an impressive nimbleness to her movements, despite clearly not being force-powered. The figure stood up, jolting with a forward purpose that made Anakin seem like a lumbering tank in comparison. She climbed and vaulted over cracked structures. A gracefulness to her swift movements made extra impressive given that a large sniper rifle was strapped to her back, and her finger tapped what might have been a comm link at the side of her head. Obi-Wan panned the macro binoculars to follow, wondering where she might be going, when the snap of a twig caught his attention. He stood, in one movement, buckling the macro binoculars to his belt while drawing his lightsaber. 
The blue blade sprang to life with a snap hiss, its cool glow illuminating the space. Obi-Wan stretched out, sensing all of the echoes of life around him, filtering out the insects and wildlife to get to... He turned, no longer needing the scope to see the figure from earlier on the second story of a half-destroyed building. Except rather than scanning materials or debris, she now knelt in firing position, her sniper rifle trained on him. Obi-Wan had raised his lightsaber into a defensive position when he heard something new behind him. Freeze, Jedi. Okay, this chapter was short. It was a little bit more exciting, but I do have one problem, and that's a problem with this whole story so far. I really don't like the way that they keep shifting around. The last chapter got real good with Anakin and Palpatine, so I wanted to know more about that before it changed. Then this chapter jumps to Obi-Wan. I don't like how each chapter starts with a different character. Why can't they just flow together? I'm just saying that they could have done it differently because this is just getting a little bit frustrating. Other than that, the chapter was good and it left us on a cliffhanger. Who was telling Obi-Wan to freeze? Hopefully it won't shift to a new character next week and we'll be able to find out. But for now, this will be a great place to transition to the quote of the week. And this week's quote comes to us from Irving Berlin. He said, the toughest thing about success is that you gotta keep on being a success. I have some very close friends that were successful. And yes, I said were. They fought and fought to get where they wanted to be. And as soon as they got there, they stopped fighting. It took them years to get there. Sleepless nights, breaking their brains, planning, working their bodies to death, putting themselves through hell and back. And when they found that they had reached their goal, they took a break, something that they deserved to do. But they forgot one of the biggest rules, one of the things that was stated above. And they allowed the break to last too long. They started living like they were on top of the world, and soon they had fallen from success. Each of them will tell you this. Once you have fallen, it is 10 times harder to get back up. You have to work hard to gain success, and you will have to work even harder to maintain that success. I'm not saying you can't take a vacation. I'm just saying don't stay on vacation too long. And always remember that every dollar you have earned, appreciate it, because it took a lot of work to get it. Okay, that's all I got for this episode. Join us next week for more Star Wars Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.